Let's check out the latest in college football with the Orlando Sentinels, Matt Merchel. Catch Matt on Twitter at OS Matt Merchel. All right, uh, let's talk some college football. Matt Merchel joins us on these uh, Tuesdays, and we appreciate uh, his time. Uh, Matt, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing this morning, Mark? I'm fine. Was the return trip easier than it was getting to Lubbock for you? <laughs> it was a little bit easier. I still had to delay and had to actually had about 10 minutes when we landed in Dallas that I had to run across the Dallas airport, at the Fort Worth airport, to catch my connecting flight to Orlando. So I pulled, uh, you know, I, when I got on the plane, I apologized because I was huffing and puffing pretty bad. So I looked like a little bit like R.J. Harvey trying to make my way through the crowd at the, at the Dallas-Fort Worth. All right, let's uh, uh, let's uh, look back. Give me your thoughts uh, on the Texas Tech game. UCF grabs a 14 nothing lead. Uh, Texas Tech comes back. It's a, you know, a battle, and Knights have a chance to tie, and the little finger blocks uh, an extra point. Uh, what's your thoughts on the Texas Tech game? Yeah, you know, I think this is kind of the theme that UCF has had all season long, especially in road games. It's just been close, you know, close battles, one-score games where, you know, just – doesn't seem to go their way. You know, they had a, uncharacteristically a lot of penalties in that game against Texas Tech. They had opportunities to score. Uh, they didn't take advantage of it, especially that one play uh, before the half, you know, or the first half where, you know, JRP does a, a shovel pass that, you know, uh, R.J. Harvey doesn't, isn't able to get in the end zone and they run out of time. And it's a, it's a wasted opportunity. You know, one was I'm sure that Gus and, and, and uh, Darren Henshaw would love to have had back and, and an opportunity to score. And then you, you know, you got some other things. You know, like Colton Boomer. You know, has a has a like a field goal that hits the upright. You know, and and goes out. And uh, you know, they had to block extra points. So missed opportunities. And and there was an opportunity to to win that game and be bowl eligible. And then go into this game with a little more breathing room. But now they've got to go into this weekend's game against Houston with this idea of it's a, it's a one game season. Find a way to win against Houston, and you're in a bowl game, and you can send the seniors out with an opportunity for one more chance to play. One more question about this, and, and look, you are what the record is. UCF is five and six; they're two and six in the league. Mike was talking about, you know, is there a big difference of being bowl eligible or not? You know, and and, and enjoy the season. And look, there's absolutely a couple of games that could go either way for UCF, but they didn't. Um, when you look at, at at the body of work, and again, they played in so many close games. What stands out as the difference? Because look. I think Texas Tech and UCF could play 10 times, and I'm not quite sure somebody wins uh, uh, eight or seven times. I think it might be a five versus five or six and four. I'm not quite sure those teams are that different. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think, it, it, to me, this season has just been, it's been little things, you know, little little, little things that have just kind of made, made the difference. And it was interesting. I was looking at uh, doing a little research before I got on the air, and, you know, UCF is, is two and four on road games this year in the Big 12. And overall, you know, the other newcomers are, are, are four and ten. And you look at what TCU and West Virginia were their first year in the Big 12. You know, they were two and eight. But the following year, they were eight and two. So I think it, there's, it just takes a little bit of adjustment, you know, for these new teams to kind of get to this idea of being on the road, new places, um, maybe kind of, you know, getting your, your, your feet on the ground. You know, there is something about being in – some familiarity by being on the road and, and doing these kind of things. And, you know, who knows how this season would have been different. If UCF wins that Baylor game, if they don't give up the big lead late, you know, there's there's things that could have that could have changed some things. Maybe they go, you know, maybe the Kansas State game late in that game, you know, if, if, if there isn't one of those interceptions, maybe maybe things change a little bit, you know. So I think that one of the things that, that Gus and the rest of the staff and the, and the players will realize is that it wasn't like they got blown out. There's only two games really where they got blown out. 
this is it's really been a close season. I think they could have they just had some missed opportunities that they'll be able to find a way to, to kind of get through that next year. All right, let's go to uh, Tallahassee. Uh, as I said yesterday, you don't have to be a Florida State fan to be a fan of Jordan Travis and the story and and, and the injury and the timing of it. So. Give me your view on how Tate Rodemaker, you know, can play for them and, and kind of keep this going and what you think the committee will do regarding Florida State and, and the injury. Yeah, I mean, I think Tate Rodemaker will be fine. I mean, he's a guy that's been around the program for several years. Uh, you know, he's really patiently kind of bided his time. And I know that, you know, Mike Norvell has worked really hard to make sure that he doesn't feel like he has disconnected from the from the offense. You know, so I think I think he'll be fine. I think we tend to forget that Florida State has a lot of different offensive weapons around him. You know, you got Trey Benson in the backfield, you know, Keon Coleman, you know, Johnny Wilson, talented receivers. The offensive line has played well. The defense has been better. If they can find a way, you know, they can keep doing what they're doing. And I think they'll rally around this Jordan Travis injury, and they'll find a way, you know, to, 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 to try to get past Florida. That I think where it's going to be interesting is, is will the committee tonight, because of the Jordan Travis injury, throw Washington above them? You know, because they feel like, well, this is it. You know, Florida State's going to, you know, it's not going to matter. Or will they just say, okay, you know, it's an injury and they're supposed to deal with that. You know, that's one of the things that over the years the committee has talked about is that they take into consideration injuries. You know, if a team does well or, or you know, struggles, I mean, they, they're supposed to take into consider consideration those injuries. So um, I, I think tonight's really going to be the telling tale of what Florida State's going to have to do because if they fall behind Washington, you know, it really starts to believe to me. I mean, how can you leave out an undefeated Florida State team if they go 2-0 the rest of the way? So uh, it, it really does. This is one of the more difficult years for the committee, and I think it's going to be a challenge, especially this weekend, depending on if there's some upsets coming from the Pac-12 area. All right, let me uh, shift to the Gators who played maybe their best game and, and are right there but give up a fourth and 17. They lose Graham Mertz. Here's their backup quarterback now uh, You know, uh, against Florida State. You're trying to find something to build on if you're building Napier, and and your team played well and yet came up short. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. I mean, I think for Billy, you're looking around and you're trying to find ways to, you know, keep bringing some positive energy. I think that's some of the positivity is that you were still in that game. You know, I mean, even to the very end, yes, you gave up the the game winning drive. You know, to the Missouri to let them kick a field goal, but you know, you were you were leading late in that game. You know, and you did that without your starting quarterback. You know, Trevor Etienne obviously is is an elite running back and he's really emerged this year. And I think a guy that, that they need to get more carries next year. Um, and, and Billy's just got to keep, keep preaching what he's preaching because, you know, if they could upset Florida state this weekend, that would be huge. Not only does it give them bowl eligibility, I think that just kind of carries some momentum going forward and, and they're going to need that. You know, they've lost a, they had a couple of decommitments in their recruiting class over the last week. Uh, you know, that's going to be the key for them is who do they retain through the transfer portal you know, how much is that recruiting class going to fall a little bit maybe? Can they salvage some of this? Uh, and if they can do that, you know, I, I still think they're going to be in a good spot. But, you know, fan bases aren't patient. And, you know, they want results. And if they don't become bowl eligible, then, you know, I think it's, it's going to be a rough offseason for Billy. Um, Mario Cristobal and his team play well against Louisville. And it may have been their defense that let them down. Tyler Van Dyke played pretty well. Thoughts on the Cam? Yeah, I think Miami's in the same kind of very similar situation as, as Billy and the Florida. You know, I mean, Mario's just got to try to find, keep finding some positive, you know, angles to everything. And, and they've done better recruiting-wise, and I think their class is going to be another top class. But they've got to find a way to, to try to finish off strong, get a win, uh, and, and see what you can do in the postseason, you know, because there's still areas where they need to improve. They, their defense is too inconsistent. You know, their offense – 
looked good beginning, and then, you know, Tyler struggled a little bit. Some of that's injuries, and some of that's just the offense. Um, they've got to figure out a way to get things get things corrected soon because once you go into year three, then all bets are off. You know, you're not going to get any sort of cushion of, of consideration. I think there, people expect you to start winning, and Mario's been paid a lot of money to, to come out there and win some games. All right, since we spoke, uh, much has changed in Michigan. They've um, accepted uh, the Harbaugh suspension. Uh, they fired a linebacker coach, and I'm not quite sure the story's over yet, so give me the Matt Michelle view of what uh, has happened at Michigan. Yeah, I mean, I still don't I still don't buy this this thing that Jim Harbaugh doesn't know. I mean, I think Jim understands that, listen, it was easier it, it, for them to have to go through a lawsuit and deal with all those kind of things to get him to, on the sidelines. I think he just realized it was easier to accept the penalty and, and see what happens. You know, this is going to fall back to the NCAA. The NCAA is going to have to figure out what's going to happen through all this. Um, and, and we know the NCAA moves glacially slow. I mean, so they're not going to be able to get this decided soon. Um, the, the, the key is going to be, okay, if Michigan wins this weekend against Ohio State and Michigan wins the Big Ten and gets in the playoff, you know, how much of a distraction is that going to be? Because I think we're still going to be talking about it. We're still going to be talking about, you know, cheating and what Michigan's done in cheating. And at some point, they got to decide whether or not Jim Harbaugh knew. And, and I can't believe that he didn't know. Every coach I've ever spoken to, every program I've been around, coaches know everything that's going on in their program. So you can throw a scapegoat here or there for someone who's trying to hide the evidence, but at some point it's going to come back to you. Maybe eventually this is going to be the thing that pushes Jim Harbaugh to, to leave and go back to the NFL, and, and the Michigan program's going to figure out what they're going to do next. Um, about tonight, and maybe uh, for next week, um, give me your thoughts on the Texas-Alabama scenario of Texas winning in Tuscaloosa, Bama winning out and having the better view at the end of the year, though Texas you know, still uh, could win a conference championship. The head-to-head versus the Alabama win over Georgia, what might the committee lean towards? Yeah, that's going to be the good question. I mean, you know, it's the the committee is over the, over the life of the playoff is not really whoever wins the SEC ends up getting into the playoff. And if Alabama finds a way to beat, you know, Georgia and gets its – they should more than likely find their way in the playoff. But if Texas gets left out, I know Texas fans are going to you – know, they win the Big 12. I think Texas fans are going to rightfully say, we won the head-to-head. We should be in there before Alabama. But um, I, I think it's going to be a difficult argument. Listen, I, mean, I said this earlier. I think the playoff selection committee is going to have one of the most difficult – uh, decisions in, in, in its existence because there are so many teams. And if there's any sort of chaotic scenarios, I mean, if, if Washington State and Oregon State pull off upsets this weekend or, you know, uh, and beating Washington and Oregon, if, if, you know, we see some other teams get beat, if Texas, uh, you know, if FSU loses, I mean, you know, there's going to be scenarios where all of a sudden you could have eight, 11, and one teams sitting there and maybe one 12, you know, 12 and 0 teams. So, um, the committee's going to really have to figure out what's the best-case scenario, wishing that maybe the Big 12 team playoff had taken place this year because it's not going to be easy for them. They're hoping that everything kind of goes the course and they won't have to deal with it. All right, let me run through some games this weekend, and uh, it's the Don't Hold Matt to It uh, Tuesday prediction, okay? Um, but uh, uh, let's throw some scenarios here. Texas-San Antonio plays at Tulane. Jeff Trailer's a name. He was asked about the Texas A&M job multiple times. Tulane's got a chance for a second straight New Year's Six Bowl. Um, this is a elimination because SMU's also in the mix here is undefeated. Um, give me a winner. Yeah, you know, I like Tulane. I've always felt like Willie Fritz has done a great job, and I always feel like he's a guy that's going to find a way to get get a win. I, I think that's the thing that the, that um, they're able to do. So um, I think that's what's going to end up happening. Oregon State at Oregon Friday night. 
I like Oregon. I still think they're playing better. I think Bo Nix has played well. He's still in the mix for that Heisman, and I think they're going to find a way to, to, to pull it out. Ohio State, Michigan. I like Michigan, even all the stuff going on. I mean, Michigan's a little bit of a better team, a more complete team, and I think they're going to—they're rallying around this whole Jim Harbaugh thing and and and, and sign gate, and they're finding a way to, to win games. Uh, Florida, Florida State. Uh, I like Florida State, even without you know uh, Jordan Travis. I think they they got a little more uh, talent on the, on their end, and I think they're going to find a way to pull off the win. One last one, because you watch enough of the Big 12. Iowa State's at Kansas State. That's a good one. Um, I like Kansas State. I've been impressed with Kansas State. I know they had their ups and downs, but I feel like Kansas State is one of those teams that can find a way. And they're, they're still, if you think about it, in the mix for the Big 12 yeah. championship, depending on what's, depending on their crazy Big 12 uh, tiebreakers. So they're still in the, in the mix of that. So I, I like them. Yeah. I mean, they're in a spot to win uh, nine games, and I just think they're a really good football team. Thank you, Matt. Uh, we'll see you later in the week. Appreciate it. All right. Sounds good. Take Matt care. Michelle covers college football for the Orlando Sentinel. Find him on X and Twitter at OS Matt Michelle. A couple of reminders. We're here tomorrow doing a uh, Wednesday show, and then uh, later in the week, of course, UCF football. It's a 12 noon kick against uh, Houston. Uh, coverage begins at 10 a.m. down the Dollar Sister Station, 540 WFLA. Obviously, they got the Gators and Florida State, and the nighttime kickoff there. So we got you covered uh, throughout the entire holiday uh, weekend. Come on back. we got more to get to in this uh, Tuesday, the Double Shot Tuesday, 11 o'clock hour. Uh, this is the fix, and one thing leads to another. Kelly, ever heard of this song? I have not. When I was really? reading it, maybe I have to listen to it more. You know what I mean? But reading it via like yeah. text, I did not recognize it. Yeah, let me listen. Yeah. The fix, and one thing leads to this is number eight forty years ago in the Billboard chart. Double shot Tuesday continues.